Welcome to the Small Business Tax Savings Podcast, your weekly dose of accounting and tax tips specific to small business owners. You will be on your way to growing your business and paying the least amount in taxes as legally possible. Here's your host, Mike Jezoshek, CPA. Hello and welcome back. Today we're talking about rental property tax essentials and things that you need to know about rental properties here in 2023. Last year, we did a comprehensive series on rental properties, taxes, how those are all handled, and talked about a bunch of different topics and what you need to know. So if you haven't checked out our Ultimate Guide to Real Estate Taxes, definitely check that out. Just go to taxsavingspodcast.com forward slash real estate. Again, we did a full series on a bunch of different topics. And today, we just want to go through and kind of summarize those things. What are some of the high points that we want to be talking about related to rental properties and real estate here in 2023. So again, rental properties are one thing that we you know, don't talk about a ton because what we focus a lot on business owners, but we always say rental properties is an incredible way to save money on taxes. And it's an incredible way for not only business owners, but also W-2 income earners and, and, and those alike. So there's a lot of tax planning, tax strategies around rental properties and that's why we want to dedicate kind of a, a one podcast today that kind of goes through everything we've talked about in our series from a high level and just really gives you that kind of idea of what do you need to know? What is important about rental properties? And the first thing we want to talk about is depreciation. Depreciation is a powerful tax savings tool. And it's one of the, the reasons that so many people can get into real estate rental properties and utilize losses from that rental property to offset their income. So they can invest in rental properties, offset their income, which also means obviously lowering their tax bill, but now they have this investment that's going to produce income over time in the future. So when we talk about depreciation, depreciation is just this idea of being able to write off purchases that you've made. And there's all different types of depreciation that we talked about in our series, including straight line depreciation, accelerated bonus depreciation, section 179, and we talked about kind of what are those different depreciation options and, and how do we claim them. But just know that when we talk about rental properties, one of the biggest expenses is depreciation. And that depreciation is this idea of writing off that purchase of that property over time, or in some cases, writing it off upfront. So when we look at those that are looking to get a big deduction when it comes to real estate in the upfront in the early years, they do something called a cost segregation study. And basically, a cost segregation study just identifies and, and kind of reclassifies assets within a property that allows the owners to accelerate depreciation, to take that deduction earlier on than typical. So traditionally, a rental property, long-term rental property, you're going to depreciate over 27 and a half years. If we do a cost segregation study, we take different pieces of that property and say, okay, we're going to depreciate the toilets, some of the appliances, those things. We're going to depreciate them quicker. And what that does is it gets you a bigger expense, a bigger deduction early on in that rental property, which gives you losses. And then there's the opportunity to use those losses to offset other income and potentially get you at zero income because you have your income, but you have these losses that are offsetting it. And we're going to talk a little bit about that later. The other thing with rental properties is depreciation. That's going to be the big one. That's where we're writing off the cost of this building, this property that we're renting out. 
But rental properties have other expenses too, and, and those can be deducted as well. And so I often look at rental property very similar to a business. When we talk about what can we deduct in a business, whatever's ordinary and necessary for that item. So same thing with a rental property. You know, there's a lot of tax deductions available. We look at mortgage interest, property taxes, insurance, repairs, maintenance. Maybe you have a property management company that's handling the, the fees for that. Maybe you're traveling to go check on your rental properties. We see a deduction there. Maybe you're hiring your kids to do some work in your rental properties. There's a deduction there. So, you know, depreciation is something that's kind of that really nice deduction that we get that we can use to offset income. But rental properties, we want to do tax savings with them as well in just their normal property expenses. You know, the obvious ones, utilities, maintenance, mortgage interest, those are the ones that come to mind too. But again, let's think about planning. We talk about hiring your kids and how important of a strategy that is for your business. That can relate to rental properties as well. So we want to be thinking about that. Now, I want to go through a quick example of how does the tax look? How does the tax breakout look? We talk about real estate. So we're going to talk about, give an example about real estate examples. And we're also going to be talking about passive activity losses and where real estate professionals come into place. So I find it that a lot of business owners, individuals that are just getting into this idea of real estate wrapping around their head about investing in real estate and how to use that as a tax saving tool on top of that investment can be confusing. So I wanted to help paint a more clear picture to give you an example to help illustrate really the potential around utilizing a rental property and a cost segregation study for tax savings. Let's go through an example. You bought a building, you bought a property for $750,000. Now, when you buy that property, a portion of that cost is going to be related to the land that it's on. In land, we don't depreciate, but everything else we do. 150000 is related to the land and 600000 is related to the building that's on that piece of land. That's the amount that we're going to be able to depreciate. And then we paid 20% down, so $150,000. Now, if we didn't do a cost segregation study, we would de- depreciate that $600,000 over 27 and a half years. So very easy. 600000 divided by 27.5, that's going to be your depreciation amount every year. But some people say, no, I want to take a higher depreciation amount in year one. I want to take a higher depreciation amount up front. So they're going to do a cost segregation study where we take that building, that 600000 that we had in building, and break it into little pieces about items that can be depreciated faster. And so when we do a cost segregation study, we're saying, what items can we move from 27 and a half year property to five, seven, and 15 year property? And so let's say we took that 600000 and we determined that 228000 of that 600000 we can move into a, a quicker depreciation. And then the remaining $372,000 of that building worth of six we we're going to depreciate over 27 and a half years. So in that example, and here in 2023, they have a, a really nice thing called bonus depreciation. In prior years, you could depreciate 100% of bonus depreciation. Basically, what that means is that five, seven, and 15-year property, we can depreciate in one year, all up front. Now it's 80%, which is still great, but it's not 100%. Now it's 80%. So again, let's lay the math down. We have $600,000 that's attributed to the building, 150 to land. Total purchase price was $750. We did a cost segregation study uh, and determined that $228,000 of that $600, we could depreciate quicker. And because we're in 2023 and there's 80% bonus depreciation, we can get a deduction of $182,400 in year one. 
And then we also have the 27 and a half year depreciation. We have any other kind of expenses related to that. So again, in this example, we paid 20% down, $150,000 on this property. So we're making an investment of $150,000, but we're getting a deduction in year one of $195,000. That's the beauty behind real estate. And that's where people can start to see, okay, how can I start to offset my income? How can I start to erase my income using real estate and getting into it? Now, let's talk about that offset your other income piece. One thing to note is that passive losses can only offset other passive income. Essentially, if you have a rental property, which is considered a passive activity, and you have a loss in it due to that high depreciation that we're going to take in year one, you can only offset that loss with other passive income, another rental property, or maybe a business that you do not actively participate in. But you cannot use that loss to offset earned income, W-2 income, business income, things like that. Now, those unused losses can be carried forward, but that puts a damper on this whole idea of saying, oh, I'm just going to invest in a rental property to offset my W-2 income or my business income. Not so fast because a rental property is considered passive. Now, with that being said, there's some strategies that we can use to maximize those losses. First off, so if your income is under a certain amount, you can become a real estate investor and offset at least $25,000 per year to offset your income if you actively participate and manage in it. But the higher one is becoming a real estate professional in a rep, R-E-P, real estate professional. Qualifying as a real estate professional allows you to fully deduct passive losses against your ordinary income, your W-2 income, your business income. So if you can qualify as a real estate professional, you or your spouse can qualify as a real estate professional. You can use the losses from that real estate to offset your W-2 income, to offset your business income. Now, Qualifying as a real estate professional is not easy. And so in that series that we did, we talked about you know requirements, what you need to do to qualify as a real estate professional. For those that have high W-2 income or a job that is very demanding or, or business owners, we often see the spouse as someone that can qualify as the real estate professional, which then the spouse can take those losses and offset you know the W-2 income from maybe that higher income earner. But again, check out our series on that. The other thing that you can do is if you generate more passive income. So, you know, passive losses can only offset passive income. If we only have passive losses and no passive income, and we just have W-2 or business income, we can generate passive income. You know, is there a property that we could sell that was we had for a gain? Is there part of our business that we can pull apart and say, okay, we're not passive in this part, different things like that. But again, in our series, we talked about that. And again, if you haven't checked out our series, go to our website, taxsavingspodcast.com forward slash real estate. So all this comes down is, is with real estate, it provides a great opportunity to get a big deduction in year one, utilizing depreciation, a cost segregation study. And if we qualify as a real estate professional, we can use that loss that we receive in that rental property, that investment that we make, we can use that loss to offset W-2 income, business income, and things like that. But again, we have to qualify as a real estate professional. Now let's talk about one loophole. As we, as we mentioned, real, qualifying as a real estate professional can be difficult, especially if you're married and both of you are income earners, both of you uh, are high income earners, W-2 workers have a business. It can be hard to qualify as a real estate professional. So then there comes this idea of a short-term rental loophole. You know, Airbnb, VRBO, all of those are making short-term rentals investments, you know, very interesting. There's a lot of activity, a lot of opportunities to do short-term rentals. 
And, you know, we kind of just talked about how passive loss rules, you would need to qualify as a real estate professional in order to offset your business income, your W-2 income. But there's one loophole. And that is the short term rentals. We can get past that. We don't have to be qualified as a real estate professional in order to offset W-2 or business income. And from a high level, if your average rental is seven days or less, it qualifies as a short-term rental. Even though it's a rental property, since it is short-term, the IRS does not classify it as a rental property. And that means that it's not considered passive. So this means that it is not subject to the passive loss rules, and you may be able to use short-term rental losses to offset your regular income, your W-2 income, your business income. Now, in order to use short-term rental income or losses to offset non-passive income, you need to prove that you materially participate. And there's seven different tests that you can use to see if you meet that qualification of materially participating. But the most common one that we see is that you put in 100 hours during the year and you put in more hours than any other individual. Either way, the short-term rental loophole is a great way for those that have cannot qualify for rep status, but still want to use real estate as an investment and a tool to offset their income. Now, two more things we want to talk about today. What if you have a real estate job or flipping houses or things like that where you know you are in the business of real estate? You know, most of what we're talking about here is, is rental properties. But if you're in the business of real estate earning ordinary income, you may want to look at an S corporation. Now, this is not for rental properties, but those that are in the business, again, real estate agents, brokers, flippers, contractors, plumbers, electricians, all those. If you're in one of those businesses, you may want to look at an S corporation. And the reason being is that you are subject to self-employment taxes. And if we want to help minimize the amount we pay in self-employment taxes, we may want to look at an S corporation. So we did a whole series on S corporations as well. Essentially, kind of general rule of thumb, if you're earning $50,000 or more in profit from your business, and you're, again, not real estate rental properties, but in the business, agents, flippers, contractors, et cetera, making more than $50,000 or more per year, you may want to look at an S corporation or electing S corp status for your business. Check out the series we did on that called Tax Savings or at our website, taxsavingspodcast.com forward slash S corp. All right. Finally, real estate exit strategies. There's going to come a time when you want to sell a property of yours. It's important to think about the tax implications of that sale. We want to make sure that prior to making that sale, you're envisioning what that sale is going to be, what kind of gain you might have, and how can you avoid that gain and pay the least amount in taxes as legally possible on that sale. So more often than not, we're seeing folks utilizing 1031 exchanges when it comes to exiting real estate or utilizing some sort of charitable trust as well when it comes to exiting real estate. So if you're in that scenario, definitely you want to be thinking about this. Think about this before the sale. You know, 1031 exchanges, charitable trust. Those are things that we want to be setting up and putting in place way before we do that sale. So understanding and leveraging tax strategies for rental properties can really impact your investment returns. You know, there is possibilities. There's people out there. There's people that we have worked with that have zeroed out their income year after year by investing in real estate. We talked a little bit about depreciation and how that plays such a big role in this tax savings potential. We talked about other property expenses and different tax planning that you can do with within a rental property that you have. Irene, your kids, obviously all the traditional utilities, mortgage interest, maintenance, those types of things. But they've talked about the problem with a lot of that 
is it the passive activity loss rules, which basically says you can't take a passive loss to offset ordinary income. But we talked about an example of how if you can qualify as a real estate professional, now we can do that. We can utilize the rental activity losses to offset W-2 income, business income. We most often see this when we have a spouse in play. Again, if you can't qualify as a real estate professional, if you can't become an active real estate investor because your income's too high, if you have no other ways of generating passive income, there's still the short-term rental loophole. And if you have a rental property, if you purchase a property that is uh, average rental day of seven days or less, and you materially participate in that property, you can utilize the losses from that to offset W-2 income in ordinary income. So that's a, a loophole that we see. Again, if you're in the business of real estate, so a realtor, a contractor, things like that, you want to be looking at a potential S-corp for your business if your income is over $50,000 or more. And again, when we look to exit real estate, we want to make sure that we're doing some planning way ahead of time to make sure that we have the right structure set up to ensure that we pay the least amount of taxes legally possible. I want to encourage you again, idea of this uh, video and, and episode was to give you a summary of what we talked about in our full series that we did in our ultimate guide to real estate taxes. So if you haven't checked out all of those previous episodes, what we talked about here is intriguing. You want to learn more, check out our blog post for this summary episode, and then go to our website, taxsavingspodcast.com forward slash real estate and check out our full series. I hope this was helpful. I want to help open the eyes of how real estate can be such a powerful tax saving tool if used properly and if the rules are followed correctly. So hopefully that was helpful. Hopefully I brought some insights to it. And next week, we're going to be back with another episode. See everybody. This has been another episode of the Small Business Tax Savings Podcast. If you enjoy our weekly episodes, please leave a review and share with other business owners. You can find previous episodes and more information at www.taxsavingspodcast.com. Thanks for listening and have a great day.